Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Speech Analysis on the Public Speakers Podcast. Now, today's speech analysis is a new way to think about the transition to motherhood by Alexandra Sachs. Um, I definitely like this speech. I enjoyed a lot of it. The two main things I think I would get away from this is the emphasis of her voice. Um, I think this is just a really, really good speech where Alexandra emphasizes her voice in certain areas for the points that she's actually talking about, and you can feel the passion and energy through her voice. Now, that may be sort of like a cliche thing that public speakers do, but it doesn't really translate in a lot of public speeches. A lot of speakers just like don't use their voice enough or their vocal delivery enough to really get the emphasis or the passion or the energy shown through an audience or through their uh, voice to an audience. So um, I think that was a big, big thing here. And second is the actual content. I think the content of this was very unique. Um, When she's talking about a new way to think about the transition of motherhood, it's really about comparing how a body is changing because there's literally like another human being uh, created inside of you. And that's similar to like puberty. That's similar to just the transition from adolescence to adulthood. Um, so a lot of the analogies and examples she's drawing to create a cohesive argument that makes sense, that can actually impact a lot of people in the audience that can sympathize with that um, because everyone has gone through things like puberty, I think is a really, really good uh, sort of universal trait that she brings to be able to make her argument. Um, So I definitely enjoyed the speech. I hope you guys get something out of this analysis and you enjoy. Without further ado, let's get into the talk. Do you remember a time when you felt hormonal and moody? Your skin was breaking out. Your body was growing in strange places and very fast. And at the same time, people were expecting you to be grown up in this new way. Teenagers, right? Well, these same changes happen to a woman when she's having a baby. And we know that it's normal for teenagers to feel all over the place. So why don't we talk about pregnancy in the same way? There are entire textbooks written about the developmental arc of adolescence. And we don't even have a word to describe the transition to motherhood. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about this introduction. Um, I think it was good. I think the beginning is like a, a visualization sort of of a, a, an experience that most people, well, everyone has to go through, which is the transition for, uh, into adolescence, the whole puberty phrase. Um, so th- that experience is now being correlated with the pregnancy transition in terms of it's a similar transition just because hormones and things are changing. But uh, there's so much attention towards one, but not enough attention to the other. So, so far, there's already an introduction. Um, that's captivating the audience because it's a universal experience. So she's doing a play on universalism that everyone in the audience can relate to, which is the transition through puberty. And now she's setting up the problem in the speech, which you have to do because it's a short speech, so you're getting in the problem immediately, which is that pregnancy is not thought of as normal or the hormonal imbalances are not thought of as normal, but it's the same sort of transition, um, like with puberty, also with uh, motherhood, especially because there's like a kid growing inside of you. Um, So let's see where the speech goes from here. We need one. I'm a psychiatrist who works with pregnant and postpartum women, a reproductive psychiatrist. And in the decade that I've been working in this field, I've noticed a pattern. It goes something like this. A woman calls me up. She's just had a baby and she's concerned. She says, I'm not good at this. I'm not enjoying this. Do I have postpartum depression? So I go through the symptoms of that diagnosis and it's clear to me that she's not clinically depressed and I tell her that, but she isn't reassured. It isn't supposed to feel like this, she insists. So I say, okay, what did you expect it to feel like? She says, I thought motherhood would make me feel whole and happy. I thought my instincts would naturally tell me what to do. 
I thought I'd always want to put the baby first. This, this is an unrealistic expectation of what the transition to motherhood feels like. And it wasn't just her. I was getting calls with questions like this from hundreds of women, all concerned that something was wrong because they couldn't measure up. And I didn't know how to help them because telling them that they weren't sick wasn't making them feel better. I wanted to find a way to normalize this transition, to explain that discomfort is not always the same thing as disease. So I set out to learn more about the psychology of motherhood, but there actually wasn't much in the medical textbooks because doctors mostly write about disease. So I turned to anthropology. And it took me two years, but in an out-of-print essay written in 1973 by Dana Raphael, I finally found a helpful way to frame this conversation. So um, this is pretty important, right? Because uh, originally, um, Alexandra described in the beginning the problem that there was not enough literature or not even enough emphasis on the trans uh, of the, the feelings of pregnancy and the transition from um, just a woman to like a mother. Uh, and now it sort of shows the depth of the fact that she's found something from 1973 that is able to explain it, but we're in like 2018, 2019. Um, so already implicitly she's, she's implying to the audience that there is not enough emphasis on what it feels like to be a woman who is becoming a mother. Um, and she had to go all the way back and find some re journal that had the answer that she was going to be able to use to frame this conversation. Um, so that in and of itself is using an example and allowing the uh, implicit details of the example to speak volumes for the message you're trying to say without having to say, look, guys, I had to go all the way to 1973, just kind of just implying that. And then the audience is going to be impacted based upon the implication of that example in general. Um, so let's see what the new debate looks like based upon this journal from the 70s. Matrescence. It's not a coincidence that matrescence sounds like adolescence. Both are times when body morphing and hormone shifting lead to an upheaval in how a person feels emotionally and how they fit into the world. And like adolescence, matrescence is not a disease. But since it's not in the medical vocabulary, since doctors aren't educating people about it, it's being confused with a more serious condition called postpartum depression. I've been building on the anthropology literature and have been talking about matrescence with my patients using a concept called the push and pull. Here's the pull part. So as humans, our babies are uniquely dependent. Unlike other animals, our babies can't walk, they can't feed themselves, they're very hard to take care of. So evolution has helped us out with this hormone called oxytocin. It's released around childbirth and also during skin-to-skin -to -skin touch. So it rises even if you didn't give birth to the baby. Oxytocin helps a human mother's brain zoom in, pulling her attention in so that the baby is now at the center of her world. But at the same time, her mind, her mind is pushing away because she remembers there are all these other parts to her identity other relationships, her work, hobbies, a spiritual and intellectual life, not to mention physical needs, to sleep, to eat, to exercise, to have sex, to go to the bathroom alone, 
if possible. This is the emotional tug of war of matrescence. This is the tension the women calling me were feeling. It's why they thought they were sick. If women understood the natural progression of matrescence, if they knew that most people found it hard to live inside this push and pull, if they knew that under these circumstances, ambivalence was normal and nothing to be ashamed of, they would feel less alone, they would feel less stigmatized, and I think it would even reduce rates of postpartum depression. I'd love to study that one day. I'm a believer in talk therapy, so if we're going to change the way our culture understands this transition to motherhood, women need to be talking to each other, not just me. <laughs> so mothers, talk about your matrescence with other mothers, with your friends, and if you have one, with your partner, so that they can understand their own transition and better support you. But it's not just about protecting your relationship. When you preserve a separate part of your identity, you're also leaving room for your child to develop their own. When a baby is born, so is a mother, each unsteady in their own way. Matrescence is profound, but it's also hard, and that's what makes it human. Thank you. Okay, that was a pretty good speech. Uh, a New Way to Think About the Transition to Motherhood by Alexandra Sachs. Um, so I like this speech. Um, I, again, it's a short six minutes, so she had to get a lot of information packed in there. I think the transition of examples um, and the sort of like psychological framework for why those examples are relevant in a, a world in which matrescence is a real thing um, was important. And I also think that its comparison to adolescence and the ability to change from the transition from kid to, to teenager to ultimately adult um, is a good comparison that she ultimately did. I think that comparison is effective because without the comparison of like going through puberty, the uh, naturalness or the universalism that um, pe all people experience that aren't mothers might not have been relatable enough if she was only talking about the transition to motherhood. So that's when comparisons can get really effective, especially if the comparison that is, is, has some type of universal trait to it. Because then everyone in the audience, if they can't relate to B, they can at least relate to A. And because they can relate to A, they'll have some ability to sympathize with B, which will get them more in tune with their talk, which will help them understand the examples a, lot, a little bit better, and it'll just form a more cohesive way to get an audience to interact uh, with the message you're trying to present. Um, so in terms of the, the theme of the speech, which is a new way to think about the transition of motherhood, I think it's kind of just like when you're a mother, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be natural. It's not going to be amazing. But that doesn't mean you're necessarily depressed. That just means that you're going through something that's natural, which is like puberty, where your voice is changing, or you have these weird hormones, or you're like annoying to your parents or whatever. It's like that's natural because that's what most people go through because that's how our, our bodies develop. Um, so yeah, overall, I thought this was a really good speech. From a public speaking perspective, uh, I think the emphasis of her voice was really good in certain moments, and it was just like a, a voice that got people to care, that got people to listen, and got the examples to flow really well, along with the emphasis for why those examples were important. Um, and I think the pausing was also pretty effective in certain areas that sat with the audience to internalize things. Um, so yeah, that was a new way to transition, to think about the transition of motherhood. Leave a speech in the comments that you would like me to review, and hopefully it'll make this channel. I'll see you guys on the next episode of Speech Analysis.